0: Good, good, good. Good to be here with you all this morning. Um, Man, it is great to be uh, doing this. Uh, It is encouraging to be here. You know, originally Nick was actually supposed to teach, our new pastor, and then he went off and got bronchitis. So that happened, right? Uh, So we tested his character, tested his doctrine. Tested his ministry skill. We didn't test his sickness level, so that's uh still one to go out there. Sorry about that. So, um, but we did actually want to bring Nick up um, and kind of introduce him to y'all. Uh, the first week we had our baby, so I wasn't here. Uh, the second week he was uh, in the Virgin Islands with all the money that we pay him. He decided to take a, an awesome vacation. So bring Nick up and I'm going to bring the elders up too. Uh, y'all can welcome him up when they come. All right um so Nick's a new pastor uh hailing from Atlanta uh went to school here at UT uh was in Passion City yeah hook a couple people there we go all right here comes the Aggies knew that was gonna happen but uh in the, promised land. <laughs> in the promised land we're in the promised land here in Austin so um yeah it is good don't get too close to me bro I got kids to feed all right um but uh we're gonna have Jake go ahead and pray over our brother and uh yeah we'll do that uh, God we just thank you calling him, God, and I pray that you uh, equip him, help him to serve out of the overflow of his heart, mm-hmm. God, and his personal relationship Amen. with you. I pray that you protect him, mm-hmm. God, and I pray that you just bless him as he gets to know our church to equip us um, in our knowledge of you and mm-hmm. our trust in you. Mm-hmm. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Hey, y'all, what was... I was like, (laughs) like one person was like, should I do this? All right. Uh, If you uh, want to get to know Nick more, uh, invite him out and tell him to buy you coffee because he'll do that. All right. And uh, so, or if you just want a free coffee, there you go. All right. (laughs) Gepnick, and he'll get to do that. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. Uh, We'll be in Genesis uh, 46 and 47 today. Uh, We pretty much won't be moving from there, so you can do that. Uh, If you don't own a Bible, uh, there's some under every second and third chair. We would love for you to actually take and keep that. That's our gift to you, so uh, please, please, please bring that home. Read that during the week. We want you to see that, uh, have that, be able to uh, look at God's Word, uh, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week. You can also follow along on your smartphone if you have the YouVersion app, if you click on events and type in the well Austin, you can follow along that way. If you don't know what that app is, or you don't have that, you can actually just take this link, put it right into your browser. You can follow along that way. Uh, all of the scriptures and notes and all that stuff will be there for you. And so we say this every week uh, because we mean it. We want your eyes on the word, all right? And we want you to be able to see uh, what God is doing and uh, who God is and the way in which he works uh, in and through our lives. And so uh, we want you to be able to look at that each week. So uh, we are continuing our Genesis story, and we're kind of nearing the end. In here, and last week, what we saw was Joseph and his brothers got reunited so after all of this turmoil and all of this hostility, really that began in rebecca 's womb when Jacob and Esau were even wrestling in there, we saw all this animosity amongst the people of god but through suffering, which we looked at two weeks ago, God brought forth this unity and really united a family in this beautiful way. And so the brothers are now together. Uh, The son upon which Jacob thought was dead, Joseph, is actually alive. And that's where we pick up the story today, that uh, they're going to go down to Egypt because God is going to provide for them through the family that they're in right now. And really, there's going to be a reuniting of the son and of the father and uh, really of the family as a whole. So Genesis chapter 46, we're going to pick it right up there in verse 1. It says, so Israel, this is Jacob, Jacob's name. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. Then he said, "I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again. And Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. Now, this may not seem like much, but this is actually a huge promise of God that we see here. Jacob is probably really wrestling with <clears throat> whether or not he should even go in the first place. He's sitting here in the Promised Land. God has began to build up in really beautiful ways, and now." all of a sudden he's called to take not just his family but all that he owns down to Egypt. Now you may ask well why is that such a big promise? Well if you've been with us through our whole Genesis series really early on there was this interesting promise that God actually gave to Abraham and if you look in Genesis 15 verse 13 it says this, then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years." That's a fun promise to walk into, right? <laughs> okay, and so this is Jacob's grandfather, right? So Jacob was alive. Abraham told him all that God had done, so he told him this promise as well: that if you go down to Egypt, there will be affliction for four hundred years. It was a promise; it was a, a surety. And so Jacob is probably wrestling with: should I even go down to Egypt in the first place? I mean, all of his forefathers that have gone down to Egypt, it has always spelled disaster for them. There's always been conflict and trouble in the midst of that and now all of a sudden joseph is there and god is calling him to go down in fact if you look at the verses we just read in chapter 46 it says that he got to beersheba and then all of a sudden god appeared to him well beersheba is the southern border of canaan so he's about to leave the promised land and it's kind of like he's stepping over and he's like you sure about this god right like 400 years in affliction and is this really you and god says jacob jacob i am with you And God appears to him. In fact, this is the last time that God appears to anyone for 430 years until Moses steps on the scene in Exodus chapter 3. So God affirms, yes it is. And what Jacob does is he then goes in faith knowing that this may be a hard task ahead of him, but he goes nonetheless. And that's a really important underlining principle for our story today is Jacob's faith here. Jacob really does move in faith knowing that this may be a hard task ahead of him. And so what we see is that God actually blesses the faith of his saints. Every time the saints show forth faith, every time the saints show forth obedience, God actually brings a blessing onto that and God uh, blesses them in these extraordinary ways. For those who believe in God, blessings come. Now, before you think I'm speaking prosperity gospel or something, that's not what we're talking about today. Hardship often follows the saints as well. As we see, even in this promise, they will be afflicted for 400 years, right? But nonetheless, God always, 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 in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, he blesses the obedience of his saints. We know that we who believe in Jesus have been blessed with eternal life, that we have the very presence of the Holy Spirit inside of us, that even in the midst of chaos and turmoil, we can have peace that surpasses understanding. Scripture says that we have every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ and so we see even in our faith and in our obedience, we receive the blessing of God in these beautiful ways and we actually know that for the saints one day suffering will be no more and we will be fully and completely blessed. That ultimately we will be in a place where there are no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain. In fact everything that your heart desires was actually hardwired in by God to you that you may seek him and find him. So we all desire comfort in these ways right well listen one day you will be fully comforted because you will be in the presence of the king there will be no more pain there will be no more sorrow you hate suffering you do not like tears well God will wipe every tear away and there shall be no more tears of sorrow but only tears of joy and we see that we were designed for something greater And so we long for these blessings, but we know that ultimately the blessing doesn't come always until the future. But even right now, there's blessing. Even right now, God gives things to his saints that he may help us to persevere and even as a taste and a foreshadow of what is to come. And so we've been blessed with the spirit of God. We've been blessed with the scriptures. We've been blessed with the family of believers that surrounds us and edifies us and encourages us and all these different things, right? God has blessed us. And so he blesses the obedience or the faith of the saints where we see the beauty and the harmony and the majesty and the wonder and the splendor of Christ. And though we only see it in shadow and in part, we see it nonetheless. Friends, this is a blessing unimaginable. It says that the saints long to look into the salvation that we have. All of the Old Testament prophets and, and patriarchs, they were waiting. They were longing for this in Christ. Listen, if we have faith, God has blessed that with himself. And we can see him in these beautiful ways. Similarly, God promised to make Israel a great nation and promised blessing upon them because of their faith. What we actually see is in verses five through 27, we see this genealogy actually laid out. And I promised early on that we would not do another genealogy sermon because in 2017, we've done three of them, all right? And the whole history of any church, they may have done three total. We did three in one year, all right? And so uh, I said we wouldn't do any more, so we're not going to do that. But uh, the reason that God is showing this is because he wants us to see that he has truly blessed the faith of Abraham. Abraham, who was one man, has now multiplied over and over and over again. And at the end of verse 27, it says this, All the persons of the house of Jacob who came to Egypt were seventy. Now, if you remember from our numerology early on in Genesis, 70 is a number of perfection or it's a number of wholeness. In fact, if you count in Genesis 46, there's actually 73 names. So the fact that the author wrote this, he knows that people can count and do math. He's not trying to deceive people. What he's saying is that number 70, there's wholeness, there's perfection that God is actually completing the promise that he gave to Abraham. And he's fulfilling Abraham's faith by giving him sons and grandsons and great grandsons and God is doing something here. Isaac and Jacob now carry forth the blessing of Abraham and God is being faithful in his word and they are receiving the blessing of children and of family and a provision. Are you tracking with this? Yeah, okay. So in the next set of verses in 28 through 34, we actually see more blessing because Jacob gets to see his son again. There's reunitedness here. There's all of a sudden this son that he thought he was dead now comes back. It's almost like he receives his son back from the dead. And even says that there's a resurrection of sorts. And so the blessing isn't only for a future nation of Israel or for a future promise or even for us of the kingdom of heaven in the future, but even now we see some of the blessings and the joys of faithfulness starting to persevere. He sees his son again and he sees this sweet blessing of the Lord. And the next set of verses in 47, one through six, the brothers are also blessed because they go into the land of Goshen and they are protected from the famine. And even though they did nothing to actually receive see physical provision they get all physical provision handed for them at the hand of another through joseph so we too who believe in jesus the greater joseph get all blessing handed to us through him though we did nothing to deserve that blessing in the first place and so we really see all of this beauty kind of surrounding and so the first point that we get actually is that god gives his blessing to us that we may delight in his goodness God gives his blessing to us that we may delight in his goodness. That is clear throughout scripture. I mean, think about what we just saw. Jacob saw the face of God. Jacob, Jacob, he said, here I am. And he communes with God in this beautiful way. Jacob was spiritually blessed. Relationally, his family is now in harmony again. When he grew up most of his adult life with all this disharmony, now all of a sudden God has reunited it through the faith of Joseph, through the faith of Judah, and through the faith of Jacob. There has been this reuniting of the family. And obviously, they were physically provided for. Though there was a famine, they were escaping the famine. And I truly do think that Christians experience more richness than normal, than, than, than other normal people, I think. Notice I did not say is. Okay, but richness, you tracking with that? It is not promised to you that you will have physical or financial wealth or gain, but there is a promise of a richness in your life that the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you and illuminates things, and you all of a sudden receive the blessing of God. Friends, this is an important truth that I think we tend to shy away from for fear of sounding like prosperity or that the Christian comes and has an easy life. No, there might be 400 years of affliction that follows this, but nonetheless, there is the blessing of God that comes that overwhelms no matter how much affliction happens. It is better than that that the presence of God is there. So God blesses us that, he, that we might delight in him, that we might know him. And every single blessing is nothing more than a foreshadow of the Christ who is to come anyway. So listen, if you have blessing, whether it's riches or richness, whether it's physical or emotional or spiritual or relational or whatever it may be, listen, friends, rejoice because we do not deserve those blessings This is not what is due to us as the people who continually push back and reject God and who really don't show a ton of faith or obedience. We don't deserve this, but God gives this to us anyway. Man, rejoice in that. God has given you that, that you may taste and experience his goodness and understand who he is. We don't know what sufferings will follow that. But listen, for the Christian who walks in obedience, there is the blessing of the promise of God and the presence of God in your life. And there is no greater blessing that can be given. And if you believe one day what you long for will be fully true in its full reality, we will be with our Savior where there is no more sin. Now, if we look back now in Genesis chapter 12, we see this little thing. And and we've hit this verse over and over again throughout the Abraham narrative because this really is the most important section in Genesis. It says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred, your father's house, to the land that I will show you and i will make you a great nation and i will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing i will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you i will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed so remember this promise right god is going to do something through this man abraham and we see this growing more and more that that actually jacob is receiving this blessing and becoming a nation but why does god bless abram jacob isaac joseph why does he bless them in the first place Is it only for their consumption? Is it only for their joy? Is it only that they themselves would experience the presence, the wholeness, the the fullness of God? Is it for their benefit only, or is it for something a little bit greater? Well, that carries us into the thrust of our text today. In Genesis chapter 47, we see this happening. So they go down, the brothers are down, they have a house now, and all of a sudden Pharaoh summons Jacob, Joseph's father, and says this, then Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and stood him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, How many are the days of the years of your life? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The days of the years of my sojourning are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their sojourning. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from the presence of Pharaoh. Notice, Jacob receives blessing. Okay, but this was also to, in turn, then bless others. God gives us blessing not to be selfish with and to consume, but rather to sacrificially give that blessing back to others. Now, it may not be clearly obvious when we read this, but if you look at the next little chart there, the, the author is drawing our attention. There's a chiastic structure that the author is doing. And so Joseph brings him before Pharaoh, and then it says he leaves Pharaoh's presence. In fact, if you look over and over and over again, it uses the word Pharaoh in just those four verses. We're clearly trying to to highlight who this man is, but what it's centered around is actually Jacob's age. In that culture, it was a blessing to have long age. It was a blessing to grow old and get to see your grandkids and your, your great-grandkids and to see the promises of God being fulfilled, which is why Pharaoh asked how old he is in the first place. But you see that sandwiched right in between the blessing of Jacob is actually Jacob in turn blessing Pharaoh. That would have been drastic <laughs> <Bye>, if <Phil>. I <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bless the Lord. That was a blessing right there. I didn't embarrass myself. Okay. So we see this, right? There's a blessing of Pharaoh. I'm going to stand over here from now on. i want to point at that. And we see that there's this blessing that's going on, right? So all of a sudden we see that Jacob was blessed, not just for his own consumption and not just for his own provision, not just for his own enrichment, but he was actually blessed to extend that blessing out into others. Jacob received the blessing of God that he may in turn bless other people around him. Jacob actually uses his position as a patriarch, not just to bless Pharaoh, but to really exalt him in some ways, as you can tell from his name being used over and over and over again. So even though Pharaoh is the physical authority, and in fact, Pharaoh may be the most important person in the known world at the time, Joseph still ends up blessing Pharaoh. In a lot of ways, the lesser or the greater is uh, is blessing the lesser. Because you think about this, really, what could Jacob have actually given Pharaoh? I mean, he could not have given him more power. He couldn't have given more riches. He came empty-handed really into his land. He couldn't have given more fame, couldn't have given more status or position. Yet what Jacob had received was a spiritual blessing of God. And because he had received that, he was able to impart that blessing onto Pharaoh as well. He could give Pharaoh something that Pharaoh could not consume by himself in some ways. And so really the greater Jacob blessed the lesser Pharaoh, even though Pharaoh was in a much more exalted position. You tracking with that? And so really, God gives us blessing that we may bless others spiritually is what this highlights for us. Jacob had received the spiritual blessing from God, the knowledge of God, and God gives blessing that we may bless others spiritually. This is an important piece that it's not just for our consumption, but it's that we may pour out that blessing onto other people That may look like us sharing the gospel with others. That may look like us uh, 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 blessing others in discipleship and really building them up in the faith. That may look like us really trying to highlight the fragrance of God in our work or or in our neighborhood or whatever that may be. But even think about like your spiritual gifts, right? Did God give you those gifts for your own personal consumption or for the sake of others? Like maybe you're really, really good at handling the scriptures. In fact, whenever you read the scriptures, you kind of see something new about God. Is that For your own consumption? Well, listen, part of it, yes, he gave you these blessings that you may delight in him. That's our first point, right? So when you get in the word, you see the beauty of God, it stirs up your heart. And if you're like me, you want to punch a wall and you're like, let's go, right? And you're ready, right? You're fired up. But is that just for you? Or is that that you may share that with others as well? Well, the scriptures say that you were given spiritual gifts, not for your own edification, but for the edification of the body. And so we are blessed spiritually that we may be a spiritual blessing to others. God gives us all of these richness of his blessings that we may highlight the beauty of who he is to others. This is part of what it means to know and to delight in God, is to give away his blessing to others. The text goes on in verse 11. It says this. "Uh, Then Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt in the best of the land, in the land of Ramesses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food according to the number of their dependents. This was obviously a part of the greater story as a whole. And if you've been with us, you've seen how God has really reunited the family using Joseph. It says that through Joseph, the brothers received all of this inheritance. And they actually set up houses next to each other. And there's historical evidence that Joseph left his throne and actually went down into live with the brothers again. There was all of this harmony. Joseph wasn't just trying to bless himself. Joseph didn't just use his power as second in command just to constipate assume for himself but rather to be a blessing to others specifically to his brothers relationally and so our second point of why God gives us blessing is that we may bless others relationally Obviously, if you're with us, you see that more and more and more throughout, not just in these two verses, but really the story of a whole is Joseph receiving the blessing of God, then him pouring that back out into his brothers through forgiveness, through grace, through mercy, through reuniting in this beautiful way. Joseph's story is a clear example of that. And so think about the relationships that you may have. God often gives you a sweet church family, right? I mean, hopefully you think this family is somewhat sweet or else I don't know why you're in here, right? (laughs) Right? but hopefully you see like, man, there's something beautiful about this. Why has God given you that? Is it just your blessing? Or is that you may invite others into this too? Is it that you may give away to others that they too may experience family? Why has God given you uh, the gift of good discipleship relationships? Or maybe you have a good marriage or you see a good marriage around you or, or maybe whatever it may be. Like why has God given you that just for your sake or that you may be a relational blessing to others? I think about when I was in college, uh, my pastor, Matt and Mary Lynn Pardee, they uh, discipled me. And for about the first six months, we used to meet in coffee shops. And then after that, we would only meet in his home. And we would meet in his home. I get to see how he loved his wife, how he argued with his kids, how he beat his kids, they were disobeying, right? I'm just kidding. Uh, but like, right, how he disciplined, how he interacted in these beautiful ways, okay? And then toward the end of my time in college, he said, hey, do you know why I invited you into my house? I was like, I, I thought it was just easier for you, right? Actually, it's a lot harder for me because all the kids and everything going on, right? He said, but early on, you told me you didn't grow up with a father in the house. And so I wanted you to see what a father looked like because one day you're probably going to be a father and I want you to emulate this, right? Well, God gave me this rich, rich, rich relational blessing right? Because I did not grow up with my father in the house. I was the father of the household in some ways as the oldest. Now, all of a sudden, I see how to be gentle, how to be patient, how to be understanding. But that wasn't just so that I can then in turn be a good husband or a good father, but it's that I may also give that out to others as well. And so this is why me and Natalie early on decided we want to have roommates because we want people to be able to see marriage interacting in these beautiful ways. It's why we try to invite young married couples into our lives and why we bring people over our house because We want them to see relational blessing. Because listen, I've been blessed relationally, not just so I can have a great marriage. Praise the Lord for that. I do have a great marriage. My wife is awesome, right? But it's also so that we can pour that back out into others. You tracking with that? And so how has God blessed you relationally that you may be a relational blessing to others? This is part of why God bestows his favor and blessing on you, that you may bless others in the same way. The story goes on to show us how Joseph governs his people. And so Joseph is the governor or the second in charge of Egypt. And we see him using all of this skill and talent to really navigate through the famine and bring blessing to the people. Now in the fall, we're gonna do a sermon series on work. So I won't go too much into how Joseph was just a beast at his job. All right, but he was, he was awesome at a job. We may even look at the story as we go through the work series, but God has clearly blessed Joseph with these natural gifts. And then Joseph uses these natural gifts in order to bless the people that they may receive joy as well. And if you look there in chapter uh, 47, beginning in verse 23, it says this. "'Then Joseph said to the people, "'Behold, I have this day bought you "'and your land for Pharaoh. "'Now here is seed for you and you shall sow the land.' And at the harvest, you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh, and four fifths, you shall be your own, as seed for the field, as food for yourselves and your household, as food for your little ones. And they said, you have saved our lives. May it please my Lord, we will be servants to Pharaoh. Now, Joseph was actually being highlighted here as a very, very gracious governor, because at the time, the common interest rate was 33.3%, or one third. And Joseph actually cut that all the way down to 20%, kind of get an A. Amen. All right. Okay. So Joseph is a gracious governor, but why? Because he actually could have kept it at a normal rate or even like, Hey, look at me. Look how gracious I am. I'm going to take 30% instead. And the people probably would have appreciated that. But what Joseph was doing was he was not extracting from his people. He was not using for his own gain. He literally took just enough that they may have, and then tried to bless the people back. And so he is a gracious governor using his wisdom to recognize all the Pharaoh really needs, all the kingdom needs is about 20%. And 20%, we can use that to then feed back into the people and this land will be blessed. He could have extracted, he could have lorded over them to put it like that. But instead he became a servant to them and we see their response, right? They're not bitter. They're not like, why you still tax me 20% dog, right? But instead they actually say, you have saved us. He becomes their savior Right, He blesses them in such a way. By those uh, over him, Pharaoh is pleased with him. Pharaoh literally does anything that it takes to keep Joseph in good graces, including giving his whole family the best of the land because that's how much a blessing Joseph was to Pharaoh. So those over him appreciated his work and those under him appreciated his work because they received physical blessing from that. So God gives us blessing that we may bless others physically is what this points out, which is our third point. Joseph provided these people with seed and with food and with support, the scripture says. He used the job that God had blessed him with, not just to consume, because he could have. You saw that when his brothers came, they had this lavish meal, right? He could have blessed himself in all these ways, but instead, he was trying to be a blessing to others, this, even the Savior piece in verse 25 highlights that. So the story, it really beckons us for us to be able to recognize and see God does not just give us blessing that we may consume and be filled up ourselves, but rather God actually brings us blessing that we may in turn then be a blessing to others. I think about even that third piece there in the life of the church, right? Like one of the things that we say at the well is that as we exalt disciples' send our mission statement, that send peace, one of the things we want to do is serve Austin. And what we ask is we ask a really simple question is that, hey, would the city fight for us to stay here? Like if they heard that something was going on where the well may no longer exist, like would they do what it took that we may stay in existence? Because Pharaoh did what it took to make sure Joseph stayed in power, right? He fought for Joseph to be there. And so would other people fight for us to be here? I think about uh, Campbell Elementary, for example. In the fall, we serve them in various ways and mentor their students and bless their teachers and all these things. And literally last year, when the city increased the rent by like a trillion percent, all right, then Campbell said, no, 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 we want you guys here. I said, listen, we might not be able to pay that. And they said, no, no, we want you here. And they gave us literally, it's like like. Like 40% of what the actual cost is, is what we're paying to be in here. They're fighting because they want us in here because we are a blessing, not just to ourselves. We don't just come and consume and sing and go, oh, God is so good. But we then turn that back out and become a blessing to them as well. They fight to keep us. Is that what people around you do? Do they fight to keep you around them because you are a blessing to them? You bestow your favor upon them. You receive from God and then extend into them as well. Are you selfish with your blessing or are you selfless with your blessing? That's what this story beckons us to is that God has not given us just that we may consume but also that we may give that we may cherish and know who he is and then give that out to others, that we recognize that these blessings are beautiful gifts of God that we do not deserve, and we extend that back out into others as well. In fact, this is one of the ways that you can know why we should rejoice in our suffering, because the scriptures say that suffering is a blessing from God, why? Because suffering helps us to know and savor our God, and then that suffering is then used to be a blessing into others, is it not? And so when you suffer with something, God usually reveals something to you that you may then be a blessing when somebody else is suffering around you. And so that's why the scriptures don't say rejoice at suffering, but rather rejoice in your suffering because that in and of itself could be a blessing where you draw close to God and then use that to point others to him as well. This is why all things in our lives can actually turn in favor. They can be blessings from God if we surrender them to him and if we walk in obedience and faith. And so family, God has called us to be a blessing to those around us for the sake of the glory of God, for the sake of the gospel, that we may see and savor his goodness ourselves and that others may see and savor God's goodness and blessing. Family, God is worth it. God is worth it. And we see that God has given us talents or money or relationships or gifts or experience or suffering or spirituality or whatever it may be. God has given that not just for your consumption, but that other people may be blessed by it as well. That you may throw that at other people's feet, that they too may kind of walk in your favor, walk in your blessing, that they may see the beauty of God. And here's where the story comes most alive for us, where it becomes most holistic and true. Several generations later, we see another governor like Joseph. And this governor is second only to the highest in command. And this governor has the ability to bless all people around him. In fact, all the nations of the world are at this governor's hands. And he is able to bestow or hold back. He is able to do as he pleases. However, this king would lay down all of his blessing. This king, Jesus, the true and greater Joseph would take all of his riches and all of his possessions and all of his majesty and really all of his life to save a people who not only were lacking blessing, but we were actually living under a curse. And so instead, Jesus comes and assumes that curse for us that he may remove that off of us and instead give us his blessing. In this beautiful way, Jesus is the true and greater Joseph because he does not consume, he does not lord over us, he does not demand our worship like he could do or like Joseph could have done here. He could have demanded the people to bow down to him, but instead he gives out of his abundance and out of his overflow because he desires to be a blessing to the people. So Jesus Christ does he comes and he is a blessing and he gives his life away that we would receive the blessing of God that we can enter into the fullness of being called sons and daughters of the most high God this is wonderful this is, this is extraordinary this is, you are unable to take this truth and to put it into words eloquently enough to describe the majesty of what Jesus has done Jesus gave away his blessing so that we who were cursed may walk in the blessing of God This is the beauty of the gospel. Joseph is a foreshadow, a type, a a figure of the greater Joseph that would come later, Jesus. I mean, think about it. Did Jesus not bless us spiritually? We now know the Father in heaven. We can have relationship with God. We have been given the Holy Spirit. We have been given the ability to see the scriptures. I remember so clearly when I first came to Christ. Because I had read the Bible before and it was dry and it was dead. And then literally the Holy Spirit came in my life, I read the Bible and it was like, braille, it was coming off the page at me, right? God has given us the ability to see the beauty and to savor the beauty of Christ. Has he not blessed us relationally? He didn't save us and then isolate us on an island, but he saved us to be a church, to be a family, to be uniters, to be people of peace around us. Has he not blessed us even physically? Yes, for sure, our bodies may fail us now, but there will be a resurrected body at the end. We will live in a newness of life. In fact, when we're celebrating baptisms, that's one of the most beautiful thing that you see is that the old man is dead and the new man comes. And we believe that when we die physically, we don't die we go and we reign forever with jesus god has given us all spiritual blessing because jesus lost his spiritual connection to god he lost his relational connection to others and he lost his physical life that we may receive those things this is the beauty of the gospel friends jesus has bestowed on us blessing on top of blessing that we may not just consume but be a blessing to others And so if you have tasted the beauty, the fragrance, the wonder, the majesty of Christ, friends, rejoice in this. This is a gift that is undeserved. But then don't just consume for yourself, but how can you be a blessing to others? In fact, what is God calling you to do even right now to be a blessing to those around you? In the fall, we're doing a sermon series on justice and mercy as well. And we're talking about different issues like the refugee issue or orphan care or racial reconciliation or others. Maybe you use some of those to actually try to be a blessing to others. Maybe you get involved in some way to to bless those around you. Maybe it's going through evangelism training with Todd in the fall and, and learning how to share your faith and share the gospel, learning how to give yourself away. Whatever it may be, we are called to be a blessing to those around us. I pray that even right now, the Holy Spirit will be stirring up in your heart a way in which he has called you not just to receive from God, but rather to also give from God in these beautiful, beautiful ways. Friends, listen. Jesus said very, very, very clearly, it is better to give than to receive. You know how wonderful the gospel was when you first received it. And when you stand in the presence of God and worship, you know the beauty and the majesty, what that does to your heart, that you have received the gospel. What if it is truly better to then give it away? What if it is truly that much more beautiful when you give it away freely to others? I love you guys. Let's pray. Hmm. Yeah. God, you are good to us. Man, friends, listen, if you don't know Jesus, if you are wrestling with the Lord, I want you to know that God has chosen to give you the ultimate blessing, mainly himself. That through the death of Jesus, you can have a relationship with God even today. Friends, what is it if you gain the whole world only to lose your soul in the end? This world does not have enough blessings in and of itself to persevere through all of our trials, but Jesus gives so much greater. He gives us blessings that last into eternity. And so God, I pray that even right now you would be doing a work in our hearts. God, that those of us who do not know you that have not received the blessing of being sons and daughters of God, that even today we would by faith receive you, Jesus. That we would confess our sins and say, God, I need you. I desire blessing, not just for myself, but for the sake of others. I don't have anything to offer. And Christ, that's right where you want us. You then bestow all of the riches of heaven onto us. Friends, if you want to enter into a relationship with Jesus that is yours today, I would even encourage you that maybe you don't know what this looks like or you say, Matt, I just, I just want to believe on our communication cards on the back. There's a place you can mark off, I want a relationship with Jesus. We would encourage you to do that. We want to celebrate with you, but then help walk with you to give you the blessing of what God has given us and what it means to follow Christ. You can do that even today. Ma'am, Lord, I also pray for just those of us who have been walking with you, God. Lord, I pray that in your grace and goodness, you would forgive us when we are selfish. You would forgive us when we look to our own interests rather than the interests of others, that you would forgive us, God. God, we confess that we often seek the world's blessings rather than your blessing. We often seek the world's goods rather than your good. God, help us to lay that down and to receive from your hand, Jesus. Help us to be obedient that even if there is affliction, we know that living with you is far greater than anything else. God, help us to do that and then teach us, God, what it means to be a blessing to those around us and to bless the world for the sake of the gospel. Christ, we love you. We thank you. We praise things in your very beautiful name. Amen.